Phil Rockerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got God. Hey, I'm big into uh, no-death runs, high-score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. The, the Nintendo Power uh, was definitely a really cool aspect, and I think when we're jumping in here, which we could jump in now even to the uh, the reviews, because that's something that like until the introduction of the internet, we didn't realize how crazy as shit these reviews are. And something to put into perspective, I was uh, watching a video on Nintendo Power reviews, and Fester's Quest got a better because that was when they were still on a five point scale a majority of games were in the threes um but fester's quest got a 4.6 super metroid didn't get a (laughs) 4.6 like it was rated higher than a link to the past it was rated higher than super mario world like what yeah and we have to explain too so basically someone online um they did a breakout of all the reviews for Nintendo Power, Nintendo Reviews. Now, the thing is, those those games were rated 1 to 5. For Nintendo, just NES. Four categories. Graphics and sound, play control, challenge, and the fourth thing, theme and fun. Now, what he did, he said verbatim, I've added up the scores from each category and divided them by two. That allows me to get an overall score of 10 which makes it easily comparable to other magazine reviews. So that makes sense. Um, and he says, edits come to my attention after looking through some back issues. Each game was rated in eight different categories by several people. The process ex- is explained in one issue of NP. They took eight separate scores. Each of the four categories is an average of two of them. For example, graphics and sound are rated separately than average to get the graphics and sound score. That's not exactly surprising. What is interesting, one of the scores for the fourth category, theme and fun, is overall. So technically, the overall score for each game would comprise half of the theme and fun. (laughs) It might be better to consider only that category when determining how good they thought a game was. 
However, we have no way of knowing what the overall rating was, so this is the next best thing, I suppose. <laughs> so even his his review scores from this website are flawed, but these yeah. are only the Nintendo Entertainment System review scores. There's no Super Nintendo in here, none of that. So right, that'll be that one isn't actually tracked in any way like this online. Um, but it's interesting. So yeah, the video I watched, they showed the original scores and just talked about how. Like, Nintendo Power wasn't really overshadowing and overrating all of their games. They were very strict and fair. Um, the one thing is, is going through and looking at this list, Nintendo Power, they didn't really rate a lot, any of the older games. So, like, for example, Double Dragon, it starts at Double Dragon 3. Double Dragon 1 and 2 are not in Nintendo Power rated. So... So, so when you're talking about your top 25, you're not going to have Legend of Zelda, Super Mario 1 or 2, you're not going to have Zelda 2, you're not going to have Metroid, you're not going to have Kid Icarus, you're not going to have a lot of the classics in here, because it, they were never reviewed in Nintendo Power. Yeah, and so just because one is rated this doesn't mean another one's not rated that, basically. Exactly. And we could still tear apart their ridiculous choices, though, because they, they made some really stupid reviews and ratings. I have a lot to talk about, but I mean, really, we're going to do the top 25 reviewed NES games for today, and then and then we'll, we'll just comment on each of them as we go through it, and um, that should do it. Now, I mean, like, so Mega Man 2. Yeah, so the, the top reviewed NES game is Mega Man 2. 9.25. Yeah, they, they gave it a 9.25, so if you're looking at, like, a grade scale, it's like a A-minus game. And number two, I'm not going ahead, we're gonna, we're still at Mega Man 2, but number two is Mario 3 at 9. Shouldn't Mario 3 or Mega Man 2 be a 10? So there's no 10s. They, they, don't, they didn't give any 10s when it came to that. I think the first ever perfect scored game was Orcarina of Time in Nintendo Power. So that's a, that's a weird thing just to begin with. But the thing is, is we should almost compare a few at a time because number three is Fester's Quest, which is above a lot of classic games on this, which is insane. So they gave Fester's Quest an 8.8. .8. And so there's no other nine games that they rated on the entire NES library. Like, I consider Mario 3 a 10 out of 10 game. So Mario 3 should be number 1. And, and Mega Man 2 would... A little under Mario 3. As close to Mario 3 as possible. Like 9.75 for Mega Man 2. And, and Mega Man 3 would be right in there too for me. Because Mega Man 2 and 3 are right parallel to each other as excellent games. Now what, what we have to realize is that um, it was like totaled from a bunch of, you know, factors... So, we can just say, like, a number, but theirs was, like, a mathematical equation. I think that's the problem, that nothing was ever, like, rated stellar in every single category for some reason. So, there's opinion that came into this. Well, it's, like, enjoyability or theme or, you know, nostalgia factor. Like Yeah, like, just because you liked it. I mean, that's where it gets hard, though, you know? Let's justify their Fester's Quest score. Why is Fester's Quest so high? They probably had a good drunken weekend where they enjoyed playing some Fester's Quest. The 
And they probably just like the intro. The like the music's great. Sylvester's Quest eight point eight zero. Like, wait a minute. So I there's you only get two hearts, and then when you die, it's back to Jump Street, right? Well, the the game is has a ridiculous grinding ability. Um, the power ups. The I mean, the Anger Video Game Nerd did an episode on it. Like he he yeah. tore apart all the discrepancies. It's not an excellent game. I mean, I wouldn't. I would put it at a solid. C minus D plus game, which you're shooting at, you know, six, six, a six. Like, it's a six game. It should, it should be maybe even lower. Yeah, and there was that girl that I knew who grew up with it. That was like her only game, and she was boss at it. And you know how, like, an angry video game nerd is like, you know, these guys take forever to kill, but she, she had all the power ups, but that's where it gets, like, esoteric. And like a little bit, so I think okay. I think Fester's Quest should have like. Do you know? Is there when you die? Is it back at the beginning? Like, is there continues? How does that work? Back to the beginning. There should be infinite continues, and you should have the option to put four hearts. You could do um, hard would be two, medium would be three hearts, and then easy would be four hearts. Well, and if they just fixed how some of the um, the shots are, some of the enemy placement is just you can't hit the enemies and you have to take damage, and that's part of the issue. The power-ups aren't frequent enough, um, you have to take some damage, and then a lot of enemies take a lot of hits. So it's a lot really grindy in that aspect if you're having to play multiple times because you keep dying. And she would get a power-up that looked like a lot of little bunch of like little spiky drill bits or something and you were shooting at the guy and that one mm-hmm. killed everybody but yeah. if you didn't have that you were fucked you know so that's the problem with Fester's Quest it was it wasn't like a walk up and play Goonies one so yeah. I mean the thing is is they like you had certain personalities that rated these games from Nintendo Power so I mean they rated it high just because they had a good time with it and they enjoyed it and they got it you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't necessarily, and they're and they're also not kids when they were playing it. Like we were when we initially played it. Like they were a little bit older, so they had a different style of play. Like we were saying earlier with us getting Final Fantasy and Dragon War, we weren't ready at that age when we got them, but now we appreciate them. That's a huge. That's the best example because your your age determines the level that what you're ready for. So. Yeah, it's like one of those things where Fester's Quest could that could be why it's rated higher for them. Yeah, they got it, and we just we wanted something that you could pick up real quick, like Contra. You know, of course now, like we look back and real we nitpick all the little discrepancies on it. So it's a it's a double edged sword. I think two hearts is two two hearts isn't isn't enough. No, and the way that you die, it's just it's like you're paranoid the whole time, like. Just give me a chance to continue. That's why I always like Castlevania. Yeah. It was Infinite Continues and the first, and Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. I think 3 you have a numbered amount of continues, but the fact that you can just keep going and you can quit. When you quit is when you give up. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the stubborn person's game. Because I'm not going to fucking quit unless I'm like ready to go to bed or something. I'm just that stubborn. Yeah, nowadays we run out of time. Back then, it was we had all the time in the world. What's great too, and the whole work thing. I can go to work tomorrow, but I'm just gonna like I have nothing going on tomorrow. So it's just 
I don't want to sleep in. I want to wake up early. I want to edit. I want to finish our next episode. I want to get the shit done because I love editing. Like it's just my thing. When I when there's nothing else for me to do and I'm I've already watched all that I want to watch to listen to all that I want to listen to. Editing is always still there. It's like your solace with the books. It's always there waiting for you. I love that. Very true. Yeah. So off the beaten path again. That's what we do. <laughs> always, man. <laughs> so so again, entire seven hundred and sixty-eight game NES library. The top, the fourth top-rated game, the ad- the Adventures of Bayou Billy. Yes, <laughs> I I hate this game with a freaking I hate it with a passion. It's the one of the worst. It's one of the worst Konami games. Though. It's so fucking hard though. Like in a way that you have to glitch the game. Basically, you okay? I watched like a uh, a no death. And this guy, he said, you basically have to get the stick. There's like a stick. And um, you have to get that and hold on to that for the entire game. And then you can kill all the guys. The thing is, is it had like multiple genres that none of them were worked that well. The Jeep thing and the Zapper deal. The little Zapper light gun game and the Jeep aspect. And many people didn't see past the beat-em-up stage because it's so fucking hard. I mean, you just get destroyed. It's like Double Dragon 3 plus... Like, difficulty-wise. Yeah, it's just one of those things, and, like, playing it from a gamer perspective, you're like, this game is too difficult, and it's not fun. And, like, I would, again, put this in the D range, and they gave it a 8.75, which is a B, B+. (laughs) From their aspect, what I understand, and even Fester's Quest, how it had that, so Fester's Quest had that, like, third-person view. You know, the dungeon crawler part. And the Soul Adventures of Bayou Billy had, like, the multi. You had your gun aspect. And then you had your Jeep. I think they were blown away by the fact that it was, like, dynamic. Well, yeah. And, you know, they're probably looking at it from programming and, and considering how hard it would be to make something like that. And we're just playing a game that's too difficult. Like, it's... <laughs> and from what I see it, too, it's either dynamic or it's, like, a hodgepodge kung fu action flick from like yeah the 70s where it's like okay we have three films here just like put these in the one and release this shit you know it could be that too we have this driver game we have this fucking shooter game we have this fighter game uh they're not really related but your job relate them make it a game release it thank you goodbye vince mcmahon style want to see it on my desk monday morning take it easy pal <laughs> you know like it could be that, too. It's just a hodgepodge of, like, three different games. Yeah, or they just had these games and they had to make it work. I mean, Konami is yeah. actually classic with doing that and just putting a brand on it like the original Ninja Turtles game. Yeah, I mean, you just who's to say? And it kind of makes you wonder. And it looks like Nintendo Power was impressed by the dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. It's just crazy when you think that that's the top-rated Konami game. That's fucked up, isn't it? And you have you have games like Castlevania that are under it, and they rated a Castlevania in here. Yeah. Um. They didn't rate. They didn't rate Life Force. They did. Did they rate Gradius? They no. They did not rate Gradius. They gave Gunnack a five point seven five. So that isn't on the t- the bottom ten, but they gave it a five point seven five for Gunnack. Isn't that crazy? That's an F. They give an F wow. to Gunnack. That's like an excellent game. 
Yeah, I haven't even started looking at like just all of them. So I've been, I've just been concentrating so much on the ones we're going to cover tonight. But that's crazy, dude. Yeah, I just want to float around a little because we always go off the beaten path. It's like Dug, Dig Dug Two, which is an excellent port of the arcade game, five point seven five F game. Like, no, that's not an F. That's like a B if you don't like the arcade game. It's an A if you like the arcade game. Like, it's insane. 5.75. Very weird rating scale. Like, Gargoyles Quest 2, which is an excellent platform, gave it a 6.8. Like, like, that's insane. And you gotta assume that their average, their C, is probably a 5. And I'd say Gunnax the best shmup created to that point. Well, Image Fight, according to them, Image Fight is better at a 6.4. And I actually have a no-death run on that one, and I can say it's not even close no, not even. Last Starfighter, they gave a 5.05. That game's fucking terrible. I give it like a, a zero. Uridium. It's like a Uridium clone from the Commodore 64, but it's not that great. You can't even tell the difference in that game between like the posts and what's not supposed to be a post. So you just run in the shit and you don't even know why you died. That game's garbage. I hate that fucking game. Dude, dude <laughs> I, I love... Here, here's one that makes me angry here. The, let's just see Nintendo Power pisses us off. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Narc, which I enjoy Narc on the NES better than the arcade, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's classic. Five, five 5.25. Weird. Ninja Crusaders, two-player freaking Ninja Gaiden-style game, 5.75. <laughs> it shows you... It's filtered through a bunch of different people, and there's certain people that like a certain thing. And it's like even like Rockin' Cats, which is like one of the better platformers on the system, like solid A minus game, 6.65. Weird. Yeah, well, it's funny because it's like a lot of the games, maybe, maybe they didn't age well because they got shit on. Well, and it's probably why we didn't get to experience them because you got to think if they're a part of the marketing team, quote unquote, that rental stores wouldn't pick up games that were rated bad. If you're rated bad... The spreads and the covers of Nintendo Power would never feature them. Yeah. Starship Hector, 6.45, so better than Gun Knack, according to them. Yeah, that game's hard as fuck, and it moves too fast. It moves like. way too fast. Terra Cresta got a 7.5. Yeah, I'd say that's actually a fair score. Well, comparatively to the other ones, that's a super high score, though, like... So, like, they gave Wacky Races, which is a really good platformer, like Mario 3. They gave it a 6.75. That's that's the best Mario 3 clone on the system. Yeah. Because you have the tail for the raccoon with the dog for the Wacky Races, and you can float. So if you're good at Mario 3, play Wacky Races and Panic Restaurant, because those are, like, your Mario 3 clones. Um I also throw Action Kung Fu in there, too. Yeah, so number five after Bayou Billy was P.O.W., <laughs> uh, Prisoners of War. And P.O.W. is actually a really cool game. I like that game a lot. It is really cool, and that's how you can... Actually, P.O.W. having that high of a, of a um, score proves to me that they were more mature in their rating scheme than we would be as kids, because as a kid, I didn't enjoy it. But as an adult, I love POW. Back in the day, I didn't get it at all, though. Yeah, and I was looking at it today. It just has some really fresh, you know, graphics are like as good as Contra, uh, Super C, even. And then the gameplay, it's like really smooth, really quick, really fair, though. 
Um, so that game's awesome. Totally recommended. POW is amazing. Um, so that 8.70, that's great. I'm not going to argue with that. No, that's a legitimate one. Next one in line is Ninja Gaiden 2. Yes. So that again, I'm not really going to argue with that. Um, it's a masterpiece. Solid game. I mean, I would argue that it should be a little higher, maybe, but. Yeah, that would be the only thing. Yeah, I'll argue that. <laughs> That's the bullshit scale, though. The bullshit scale is higher than than Nintendo Power, though. Um, their average, considering that their average score, which would be a C, is 6.5, which, if you're doing a grading scale, that's pretty close to, to a C. It's a D and a grading scale, D plus on a grading scale. And Mega Man with an A minus, so that's the highest grade you get. You can only get an A minus. You can only get an A minus, kitties. <laughs> so, so Ninja Gaiden 2, but again, though, like, when you think about, like, all the games that are below this, like, there's some masterpieces on this top 25 list, or top 20, yeah, top 25 list, and it's like, is Ninja Gaiden 2 better than Castlevania 3, or, like, <laughs> uh, that's where it gets really, no. um, <laughs> no. not my opinion. Yeah, no. I would actually put that under Mar- Mega Man 2, probably. Um, I mean, Castlevania 3 is a masterpiece, too. Like, like the thing is, is a lot of these should be the same score. Like, it's just crazy that so, there's so little scores that have the same score near the top. It's like they were afraid to give them out because they didn't know it was going to come in the future to be better, so they just rated stuff low. That's an interesting concept, too. I yeah. can see that. I, I, I really think that they rated games low to avoid having a masterpiece come out later that they can't put above a game. Which is weird, because if it's a great game, it's a great game. It would be like Breath of the Wild. Oh, we can't rate Breath of the Wild as a 10 out of 10, because it's, it's a launch game for the Switch. we got to wait. The next game's a really good example of just how weird it gets, because Shadowgate is like a, kind of a love or hate it. Oh, that's a pointer, clicker... Yeah, no, the problem with Shadowgate... The problem with Shadowgate versus, like, your uninvited, same same company, Kemco, Seika. Like, so with Shadowgate, you have to, like, keep these torches lit. So essentially, you have a time. Once the torches are gone, you're dead. It's like, the darkness closes in on you, blah, 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 and you're dead, whatever. So there's the whole aspect of you have a time. And uninvited... There's a certain, like, red gem. As long as you don't get the red gem, you're fine. Like, there's no timing. It's like inside a table in the bedroom. There's, like, a little red gem or something you get, and then all of a sudden you start getting these messages like, you're feeling strange, and that's not uninvited. And you're, <laughs> there's, like, a skull, and then eventually you die. So as long as you have that on you, you'll always die. Well, don't worry. The Uninvited, according to Nintendo Power, is a garbage game at 6.85, so... And that's what's funny. I had more fun with that, because (laughs) it didn't, like... Okay, so the problem with Shadowgate, I can't sit there and just, like, think about it. Because I'm I'm being... Now there's these torches burning. So that was always my problem with that game. There was a timed aspect. I think it's just me. I do like to take my time, you know. Smoke a bowl or whatever. <laughs> and like another game that's like not even on this uh, top 25 list that's was rated by Nintendo Power, DuckTales isn't even on the top 25. Like, like all these games are better than DuckTales according to Nintendo Power. You're like, wow. 
That would be my recommendation of like the first game a kid should get after Mario Brothers is probably DuckTales. Yeah, because I looked and I'm seeing like games. I'm going, oh, what about this game? And like, oh, so you can see like they had their certain picks, and they're all the thing is all these reviewers lived in literally lived around the same area, so they probably had a lot of the similar tastes as well. The other thing is like where. It almost seems you think that there's like some doctored aspects. Like, if they a certain company paid more money, you'd give them a higher rating. Like, because now they're paying more money to be in our magazine. I mean, why else would a game like Deja Vu be in the top twenty-five, or a game like I don't know, like that's that's a, a stealth ATF. I guess the the argument for that is so Uninvited is the same company as Shadowgate. But Uninvited got shit on, so I guess I but guess that breaks that. Like They probably paid money for Shadowgate and then didn't for Uninvited, so they're like, all right, let's rate this one shitty. Should have paid us money. <laughs> well, and in a business sense, there has to be a reason why you're pushing something. Yeah. Like, why are they pushing what they're pushing? At any time, for any company. Well, you also got to think about if they're older gamers that are reviewing it, what did they grow up with? They grew up with arcade games and computer games and a lot of computer games like Zork and things go back to Shadowgate's like a graphical version of Zork so if you played Zork and enjoyed that this game would kind of blow your mind so they got like a nostalgia high exactly so they're hitting nostalgia on things that we wouldn't hit nostalgia on even now yeah I mean Shadowgate I I would make a hard mode where you'd have the torches and then I make an, a normal mode where you can just relax and like explore the castle and just enjoy the sights. In, in hindsight, looking at it, like any game where you have fuel to worry about or a timer, it's always a constant pushing forward. But yeah, if you can just sit back and Mario, like even Mario style, has a timer, but it's a long enough timer to where it's not that bad. And that's why with the Vice City with the gas tank, it's like that's why it's good they don't have gas. I experienced this first in Shadowgate. I was like, yeah. why couldn't the torch just be, like, infinite? Like, who cares? But they had to make it too realistic. Yeah, that's when you got the game Genie, though. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Give it infinite torch. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they have that, yeah. You gotta assume they would. Yeah, because, I mean, they had to burn a torch off another torch in the game. So the coding. Yeah, they had to figure out the coding, but... Well, and, like, the, the craziest thing about the internet now is that there's website where people literally just have hundreds of codes per game so whether it's in the old game genie book or not it probably exists now so that's really cool i mean shadowgate has a really cool theme to it if it had that option you could turn off the time i'd give it probably a nine um but with it it's to me it's like a c game but that's just i'd give it like a 7.5 i think yeah and sevens yeah, because when I'm saying C, then you got to think 70 to 79%. <laughs> That's 7 to 7.9. Yeah, I give Uninvited, I give that like 8-something. Yeah, I would put that in the Bs, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a much cooler, to me, it's a much cooler like atmosphere, much more fun, relaxed game. But that's where it's crazy, like, that they were, how they rated it. There's just a creepiness about like being in someone's house. Yeah. It's just like weird. Like what's what is this? And you can relate more to a house in our like society, yeah. so you like look in little places and 
let's look look behind picture and it actually moves and you're like, oh shit, like there's a safe behind here or whatever. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So the next one after that, we got Mega Man three at an eight point four five. That's pretty close. Maybe a little higher. Um, I would rate it higher, but but the thing is too is that I got my own personal bias where I enjoy Mega Man two and three. So like both of those would be in the A range. Um, two is like untouchable. Just I don't know. There's something magic about two. Yeah, I mean I like two better than three. A lot of people like three better than two, um, and that's you know a debated controversy. But either way, putting it below you know some of these other games is is ridiculous, and you know it's just just shows you how different their thought process was back in the day. Yeah, big time different. But it's still their eighth best game, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as 2 vs. 3, just the music in 2, like, puts it really high. Because everybody knows, like, every song. Like, why is it Yeah, that that's so epic? Like, everything came together in Part 2. They were all... Every Mega Man game is awesome. Every Mega Man game is badass. Don't get me wrong. Every Almost every Capcom game is badass. Um... Strider's a little weird, and they never finished it quite properly, I don't think. But uh, most Capcom games are fucking stellar, so... But still, 2 was the peak for me, and then it slightly went down to, like, 9s, 8.5s. But it never went below, like, an 8.5. I mean, the control was always the same on the Mega Man games, so you can't, like, dock it for... The music was always Capcom classic. It's just the fact that 2 just... Every guy, too, you know, every guy in their stage just happened to, like... See, I don't know if that was because I was born in that time, and I'm just talking with rose-colored glasses, or if other people see that, too. Um, a lot of people see that, but I think it's a heavy nostalgia factor that gotta goes be. into any rating or fond memory that we all have. So. Yeah, so we got to mention that, too. <laughs> For sure, it is. And, and that's why our opinions are going to be different than... Nintendo Powers or anybody else listening because, I mean, where we grew up, what we played, everything has a factor into what we like. You know, but the thing is, is we overanalyze things so we and, we're, and we nitpick stuff, so if we like it, it's gotta be a pretty decent game, because we've already nitpicked the shit out of everything. And really, thinking, I just looked at the next game, Battletoads 8.35, but that's another like diverse game, and I'm thinking about you know, like they have this each stage is like a different little gimmick to it. Well, yeah, just like just like Bayou Billy and Fester's Quest, even how they had like different um, gimmicks to it, like Fester's Quest with the dungeon crawler part. It's like with Battletoads, they were. It almost seems like okay, what's going to sell the most copies of our magazine? A more diverse game that people will enjoy some part of, or. Like a one, I don't know. I'm trying to think like why they would rate what what it is. I enjoyed Battletoads a lot. I rented it. I was able to beat it as a kid. Um, and the thing is, is keep in mind Battletoads was on the cover, so they probably yeah really liked it or were paid money or a combination of both. Kids are gonna dig this. Well, it was it was violent. It was cool and hip and. You know, you had big old fists and feet, and you could knock the crap out of guys, and, like, it was just a crazy little fun game back in the day. Because, like, now we're kind of, like, 
used to everything. So it's it's different in hindsight than back in the day living it. Well, I I appreciate just a constant game, like a consistent game now. Like when you change it up all the time, it just, I don't know, like muddles up the focus. Yeah. You know, if you're playing Doom and the second level is like a platformer or something, it's just like the fuck. Like, I mean, you're right. This makes it seem like a mishmash. Well, I mean, looking at it now, I could see exactly that that's like kind of a, a mistake. But yeah. back in the day, when that was my only rental for the weekend, it was like I had three different games. Yeah, so Nintendo Power sees that. Like, this this game is dynamic. Like, this, apl- this appeals to more than one type of person. Yeah. So if we put this on the cover, like, more people are going to be into it, maybe. I'm just trying to think, like, because from a perspective where I work, we're always trying to get bigger numbers. Mm-hmm. So, like... How would you do that? You would pick the game that would be seen as three different games because you're like spreading out to a wider crowd, like. And yeah, the the Ninja Turtles marketability. All I can say is, I guess that makes it more innovative because it's doing things that other games didn't do. I think that's the point I'm trying to get at. It's a game that did things that games before it didn't do. So, keeping that in mind, how about the next one? The Three Stooges. Yeah, so it's like a bunch of mini-games, essentially. That's exactly what it is. A bunch of different aspects of genre. Um, my wife really enjoys playing it, but it's, like, mindless. I'm not gonna be playing it, like, anytime soon. It's just, like, a mindless game. It's it's pretty fun if you watch the shows back in the day on reruns, which I definitely did... I like I I knew what they were and everything, but like like nobody really legitimately beats the game. Like there's a, a small microcosm that can, but like even us, we would just play it for fun. But we never even come close to saving the or- orphanage and paying that mortgage off. Like it's just not happening. Yeah, and it has those dynamic parts. It's like platformers and dynamic games make up the majority of the top twenty-five. And I mean, even though like I have a pretty cool nostalgia just playing it with my wife, like I still would give it a D. <laughs> I expected to see it in like the bottom ten, not the top twenty-five, not the top ten. It's a, it's a top ten game according to Nintendo Power. Yeah, to me, I see it as a bunch of mini games, and they're modeled after episodes slightly. It's it's just kind of like you said, the mindless aspect. So so, so somehow number ten. The Three Stooges is ahead of number 11, Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. Three Stooges is better than Dracula's Curse. Now, Dracula's Curse is like a 9.5. Yeah, 9.5, 9.75. It's a hard game, but it's actually Castlevania 1's is harder, in my opinion. But I enjoyed Part 3 because you get the different characters to switch between. And the different paths you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, part three is one of my favorite games of all time. The music. The music's amazing. The music is a 10, no doubt. The only thing I would dock it on, like, sometimes, and I am a Castlevania fan, so I'm saying this from, like, the bottom of my lovely Castlevania heart. A lot of the back graphics are, like, really messy. Because they're trying to go for, like, a decaying aspect. Yeah. It's a castle that's falling apart, so a lot of it's 
not pretty, the background, so to speak. Um, even just making, trying to do the, the 3D NES with it, it was like, oh, jeez, like, where do I even start? So that's where I would make it a 9.5. It's not, like, gorgeous, but it's not meant to be either. My major dock would just be that they didn't... I mean, it is what, what makes it Castlevania, but they didn't change the um, the knockback for the difficulty. When you get hit, you get knocked back. Like, like they should have been able to fix the gameplay by the third iteration, you'd think. I think they wanted that. That's, like, part of it. Because yeah. that's in all of them. Castlevania yeah. 4, too. It, it's definitely in all of them. It's like your punishment... Yeah, but it's, like, it's just one of those things where you think they could have somehow figured it out a little bit better. But It's just something that you don't appreciate. Like the Fester's Quest with two hearts, I don't appreciate that. Like, I don't appreciate that either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, God damn it. Well, it's like we dock other games for bad controls, and this one gets a, gets a pass, but it's, I don't know. It's it's just an annoying... I mean, it's why the Angry Video Game Nerd complained about Castlevania 2. Castlevania 3 has the same aspect of the hitback. Death aspect. It always comes in where you least, like, expect it. I think that's the brilliance of it, though. Because you're like, you motherfuckers, like, got me again. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those things where I've never enjoyed games that were reliant on memorization to get through it. I was more the Twitch-based emotional gamer. Yeah, because I could tell you, like, Castlevania was never your, like, main deal. But I had the memorization, so that's where I'm, like, all about it. Plus, just the dark theme. I just like the spooky, you know? Well, yeah, I always enjoyed the actual atmospherics. Yeah. I played the shit out of it, but it was just one of those things where, like, I would go through and then all of a sudden randomly get hit by a Medusa head and go falling off and die, and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing for me, they always set you back, though, like, at the beginning of the level you were on, so you, it was up to you, you could write down, now the problem with the first Castlevania, you couldn't write down the password. Yeah. There was no password, so you just had to beat it from Jump Street, where Castlevania 3, you know, you could get tired and come back tomorrow. Yeah, well, Castlevania 3 was one I never played as a kid, I didn't get to play it till much later, so, like, 1 and 2 I would rent. So, part three, I always remember playing at the neighbor kid's house, and I always remember the cool symbol passwords, but I never got to play until much later. I would actually say that um, there's a little bit of kickback from Alucard in um, Symphony of the Night, but I think they got it right there, finally. Because you don't get knocked the fuck back, you just get like hit and stunned, and he doesn't go flying. But he does with certain hits. When certain enemies really hit you, you go flying. I think that has the perfect play control for a character. Yeah, that's when they really made the game for everybody. Symphony of Nights for, like, everybody. I think that's when they... I mean, but I still think Round of Blood's the best standard Castlevania game. So, that's just... It's like a 9.5-10. I think we gave it an A-plus on the uh, the bullshit homework grade, so... Yeah, still would, even two years later or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's been a couple years. It's crazy. Yeah, I love that. It's looking back now. It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so next on the list, Batman 8.25. I would probably put it in the low Bs. 
That's pretty close. That game's excellent. I remember renting it again. The um, controls were always a little weird with the um, jumping and scaling, but it was fun. Yeah, it had that. It reminds me of, like, your Ninja Gaidens. It also reminds me of Kabuki Quantum Fighter more. Because yeah. if you play Kabuki Quantum Fighter, look at the graphics. Um, also Rygar a little bit. Yeah, it was just a little slower paced than all those to me. And Rygar was, like, not just a platformer. Yeah, Rygar was exploratory. Yeah, I, I'd i say Batman is like a mix of Kabuki Quantum Fighter and Ninja Gaiden. It's like a mix. Of, I, I was never that good at Batman, to be honest. I never played it long enough to get the little patterns of all the little robots and stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. I played Ninja Gaiden to death. I do remember Batman being on sale at like Kmart when I was a kid for like 15 to $20. And it's funny because like... All the other games were huge priced, and that was, they were trying to get rid of that one. And in retrospect, that's like the good game. Weird. Yeah, that game's excellent. I think it just comes down to like, everyone wants the newest thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, with Batman, is it was another Twitch based game where I could get through it because it was slower paced. So, like, when I'm used to the faster paced games, then I go and play Batman, like, it's pretty easy the uh bosses had predictable patterns the only really hard boss was joker at the end and even him you could you could learn pretty quickly the lightning i never had it as a kid i think that's the big thing for me so now it it was just like an afterthought funko land purchase for me (laughs) well yeah like i didn't have it i just rented it on a weekend and yeah played the shit out of it and enjoyed it like Again, though, like this is a consistency I'm seeing with all these games. Is these are all games that were at my rental store. Well, that's the other thing. Like, what's available? What's going to get people to buy our magazine? Because mm-hmm. they have to see something they adapt with, right? Like, yeah, it's almost like there's a common thread within it all. Like, what were the rental stores being sent for their promotional mm-hmm. shit? You know, little kits yeah. and stuff. So it's like the kit consisted of like a certain number of games or something. If you were a big, big store, like your box office video, your blockbuster, if you were a mom and pop store, it's probably up to you, you know? Well, I mean, all these were at the mom and pop store, because that's all I had by me. And all these games were there, like... Okay. Which is crazy. Like, even Three Stooges and Fester's Quest were at this mom and pop store. Yeah, I almost wonder if I had seen Batman before I had seen Ninja Gaiden, how I would have been now it's like that whole aspect of like things change if it was different because that's almost like the same exact game you bounce off the walls you have to memorize little crazy enemies and the graphics are beautiful and uh batman though is an amazing okay so i just gotta say batman is my favorite superhero for two reasons one he doesn't have any superpowers yeah he's just a human and I also relate him to Boba Fett and the Predator because they have their like All little the gadgets. Yeah, and then two Gotham City is like dystopian and like dark. It's fucking perfect for me. So that's why Batman is for sure my favorite. But I've never been a huge superhero person anyway, so it's not really like a thing anyway. I don't even think I have any Batman figures or anything like that. I have hundreds of figures, but. 
Yeah, it, I would say that's my favorite superhero. That's weird, though. I was never, like, a superhero person. I don't know why. I think I had a couple Batman figures. I had the movie Batman. I had a Robin from the comics. And then Joker from the Batman movie. And then a Penguin from the comics. Those were, like, the four that I had. Okay. Yeah, they had really cool figures later on, though, like in the mid-90s. My buddy had some, and they were pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Actually. But, yeah, the actual Batman game was cool. I I liked all the power-ups that you had, because you got these really cool power-ups. You could use them and not have to save them, because you got them frequently enough to where, like, you could constantly use them to destroy enemies. So it was a really fun aspect of it. The way that they dispersed everything throughout the game was perfectly done it was a good play tested game you know um it's something that i would pick up now oh, yeah, excellent. like if you're buying an nes right now put batman on your list you know that type of game it's good control it's good graphics really crisp great music i mean it deserves at least the score it got 8.25 if not more and then you got the next game which i don't know if we would recommend which would be the immortal now this one's interesting it's Isometric. And the thing is, it's really punishing. So I was reading stuff about it because I never really played it. The weird thing about it, it has that solstice thing where it doesn't use like it uses like twenty percent of the screen. Yeah, it does. Like <laughs> it's such a waste. I just never really enjoyed a lot of the isometric games. I mean, I liked Snake Round Roll back in the day, but like. This one, I, I never played as a kid, number one. And then now, now playing it, it's like, it just doesn't look that great. Yeah, I mean, if I'm paying money, first isometric game, I'm going to buy... Zen. What's the one for uh, Coleco? Uh, Z, uh, Z, Zaxxon. Zaxxon. Zaxxon's the first isometric game. Zen's a good one. I almost forgot about that. Zen, and then after that, Landstalker, probably. And... Cubert somewhere. But yeah, if the thing with isometric, it's like a learning curve because the view fucks with your head. I mean, if we're going every system, Super Mario RPG is like... <laughs> well, that's a great one, too. Yeah, like the isometric fucks with your head because forward isn't exactly forward. It's like... It's forward, but it's 3D forward, which doesn't look like... It's like pseudo-3D... Is it Landstalker that actually on the screen has what the buttons do, the up, down, left, right? I think it does, like where it says up is up, left. Or Yeah, and then I think they were the same makers who made uh, Alundra. So if you look at Alundra years later, working designs or whatever, mm-hmm. he has the same big like feet and stuff as the character. It looks just like him. Yeah. But yeah, I think that they actually did the isometric controls right because they actually show what the buttons do on the screen. So when you're pressing up, you correlate the right direction every time because you see it on the screen. It's funny that it, if that's the way, then they realize that like that we're all confused. It's best. Shit, yeah. <laughs> it's just not intuitive. You have to train yourself. You can do it. I mean, if I play Cubert for two days straight, I'm good. It's just not like if I play Cubert for. Ten minutes and then I'm not good at it. Does that make the game bad? Because I didn't like figure it all out intuitively. No, I just didn't give it enough time. That's where the reviews too. I mean, that's why podcasts can go forever essentially because you just like, why did they give this a bad grade? Were they just not play it long enough? Did they get sick of it? What didn't they like about it? 
what is redeeming about it. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's craziness. It is, though. Yeah, so the immortal, super hard, super punishing, but it's a memorization game. So if you can memorize where you got to go at what certain time, like Solstice, um, you're going to be pretty good at it, but you're not going to play it and be, like, awesome right away. You'll get your ass fucking handed to you. Yeah, for sure. That's a question. Does Learning Curve, do you take that into the review consideration? Or is the learning curve what you expect with the $50 game? Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Cause yeah, it's hard. <laughs> they, they probably... Again, though, they're coming at it from an older perspective. They enjoy challenging games. That's obvious. Um, so we're at about an hour just doing these top... <laughs> the top uh, 13 here. That's <laughs> great. the immortal in the top games of all time you have pinbots at an 8.25 such a weird choice it's like huh i like pinbot but it's like well, i like the i like the pinbot 
pinball machine. The real pinball? Yeah. It's, I always thought it was hard on the NES to see what was going on. Because the screen constantly moves up and down. And there's just so much, like, shit that they tried to make. Pinball, they really tried to make the, um, the pinball machine, like, look realistic. Yeah. And it almost takes away from... If you just play pinball, black box, yeah. that's awesome. That's, like, awesome. But I, I would actually give Black Box Pinball the 8.25, and I give Pinbot like a 6, maybe. I would say low low 7s, but yeah. I, it's just hard to see what's going on. Well, and if, like, if you're going to give Pinbot, why wouldn't you give High Speed the same score? Because it's essentially just a different table. Yeah, High Speed, I give it the same thing, like 6, 6.5. It's got that same thing where it's like, what the fuck is happening? Well, the other aspect is is that, like, if you look at the graphics on it, it's, like, a weird color scheme of... Yeah. Like, it just doesn't look that great, and it doesn't hold up well over time. Because that's the other aspect that we're looking at it now, is does it hold up well over time now, and it doesn't. It's like how Rare tried to make DK Country, and that worked, you know, with the 3D rendering, but they try to do that here, it's like pseudo-3D rendering. They really try to remake the the actual table as perfect as they can. Yeah. And at the time, I can understand, like, oh, my God, look at how realistic this is. But now it's kind of like, wow, it's cluttered and it's messy. Yeah, and it doesn't look good. No, sir, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. So next one. Yay, it's Stealth ATF, a.k.a. a little bit better than Top Gun. Yeah, good old Stealth. So, that's another one. I've never been a huge, like, what do you call those? Just, like... Third-person... Afterburner clones? Yeah, (laughs) third-person, afterburner, airplane, shooter, like, Top Gun, without having to land, which is good. So, I guess if I was good at those games, I might give it an 8.25. From what I've read, though, it is really fun. Um, so I can't really say much about it other than you might want to check it out if you like Top Gun games, but don't want to deal with the landing. (laughs) If you like Afterburner and all those. And the the irony is, is Afterburner, you know, it's unlicensed on the NES. There's a Famicom version that's different than the unlicensed NES version. And those are both just as good, if not better than Stealth. But obviously this is a licensed game. You can still see the the plane in Afterburner, right? Yeah. So this is like you're behind the cockpit. So yeah. it's it's like a different. It's slightly different. It's close though. Arcade wise, yes. there's nothing else I can like. I'm trying to compare it to real arcade game. Like oh yeah. Afterburner is probably the closest you're gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. On this system, I don't think there's a game like Afterburner on the NES. Um... What's the game where you're in that jetpack and you're like flying around? Solar Jetman. It's like Afterburner though. It's like it's like 3D World Runner, but you're in. It's not even for. I think it's for like PC Engine and. Talking about Space Harrier. Yes, Space Harrier. Okay. Is there a Famicom version? Um, there is a Famicom version of Space Harrier. There's also one called Attack Animal Gauquin or some shit. That's also another version. So that's probably the closest thing you're going to come to an Afterburner on the NES. But besides that, yeah, go ahead and try Stealth. That's all yeah. I got to say. <laughs> I mean, and the other thing was is that even 
you know, your 3D World Runner and your um, Space Harrier, they had that little lined movement, whereas Stealth actually looked a little more realistic. But it was more bland, too, because of the air and everything. But it, it's not bad. If you like airplane games, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and the thing is you can lock on your targets, which is really cool, because then there's the cash-in and the receipt. You locked it in, he's dead. Yeah. So you get to enjoy that aspect. That was kind of like how what I enjoyed with Captain Skyhawk that a lot of people didn't enjoy, but that's, you know, obviously isometric. Isometric, kind of vertical shmup, I guess, something. <laughs> Isometrically vertical. I mean, it's it's like Zaxxon. My my big gripe about that game is Sprite's so big yeah. for the plane that you really gotta, like, be careful. But it's a cool, like, Marble Madness. I always saw that as, like, the Marble Madness shmup. <laughs> That was one that Keenan had back in the day. That was a cheap one, too. That and Batman were the ones that were 20 bucks at Kmart. <laughs> I totally remember. Should have bought them both, actually. Should have bought it all. I remember Barney was awesome as Captain Skyhawk, so you just needed a few hours to practice, and you'd be good at it. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, let's see. TMNT. Turtles, 8.25. Which pisses me off. Only because <laughs> Turtles 2 and 3 aren't even in the top 25. And obviously the beat-em-ups for us were way more fun and nostalgic. And there's a lot wrong with TMNT. But what did they give the other ones while we're on it? Um, let's see. So what does TMNT have? What score? Um, 8.25. 8.25? Um, Turtles 2 has 7.7 .7 and Turtles 3 got 7.5. That's weird. Turtle 3 should have got like a 9, 9.5. Well, like, because Turtles 2 was a, a really good port NES <laughs> conversion of the arcade game, and they added extra stuff. It was cool. It did have some extra levels, yep. Turtles 3 upped the game and gave you each each character special moves and, you know, just more of the fun. And, like, somehow they scored it worse. Like, how did they get that bad of scores? Like, That's really weird. I don't get it. And I think they both got covers from Nintendo Power. At least I know Turtles 3 did. But Turtles 3 was also released like during the Super Nintendo era, so they were, you know, comparing that too. You got to think about it. Like I just don't know how Turtles 3 the Manhattan Project's around the same score as Top Gun the Second Mission. That's like crazy. That's the thing that's bizarre. Uh, the first Turtles though, I won't it it had some things to do with Turtles, you know, the bosses, Rocksteady, Bebop. But the enemies were, like, bizarre, and they didn't make much sense. To, to me, it just looks like the classic Konami, make it work. And they just basically threw some Turtle sprites and Splinter and April and a couple of the enemies over something that was already pre-existing. Like, they worked it in during programming. Yeah, there's a Famicom game that's like a side-scroller. That really reminds me of it. It's I can't think of the name. Front's got like a guy with red hair with like a sword. Get Getzo Fumadin. Yes, thank you. I knew you'd know it. Yeah, <laughs> that one. If you watch that, the sword swipes the weird like enemies, like just the way that the glitchiness. I think the same programmer did it. Well, it's like when you kill an enemy with Getzo Fumadin in the side-scrolling aspect. When they die, they make that noise like when you kill the foot soldiers and everything in Turtles. Yes. Make the exact same noise. Yeah, and the the sword swipe is like Leonardo's. 
Yeah. That's the most similar game. I've Once I saw that, I bought the game like immediately, too. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I gotta have this. This is badass. My my only problem with Getso Fumadin is the, the maze, like first-person mazes that are like Fester's Quest. Like, that aspect is... Yeah, there's that. But you do fight enemies and get to swing a sword in first-person, third-person style, which is fun. It's not bad. You just get lost. So you need to make little maps... I was able to get through the game nowadays, so that's pretty cool. Well, that's great. I mean, you can get through it without any translation. That's fucking badass. I've never played it through, so I'll have to give it a go. Mm, I can't say without translation, because I had a repro cart. This is when we had the Vag Masters, VG Masters Club back in the day. Okay. <laughs> so who's to say nowadays? There might be one part where it's like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so with, with the Turtles... 8.25? Nah, I mean, number one, it doesn't have much to do with the turtles other than the bosses and the main characters. It's weird. So I give it like a seven, maybe a six. High seven? Mm, I don't even know, man. Maybe maybe lower. Yeah. Because well, like my, my frustration as a kid in the sewers and as an adult in the magnet levels. Oh, that's pain in the ass. <laughs> don't, I never had a problem with the uh, the sewers. Like swimming through the sewer. Oh, you mean the um the canal where you love bombs? Everyone hates that part. I I didn't have a problem with that. I had a problem with the next level. So. Yeah, it's the last part of the dam where the little seaweed like grabs people and the timing aspect. Um, I think the timing just freaks you out, so you like don't play as chill as you would. You're starting to be like, oh my god, oh my god, you know. So yeah, uh, I would. De- it's definitely below the other two. Let's put it that way. It's definitely below Turtles two and three. In my opinion, it's Turtles 1, then Turtles 2 takes a huge jump, and Turtles 3 is like perfected NES two-player Toidles action. Well, exactly. It's fun. Yeah, fuck yeah. So the next game, 17th, apparently. So they're like kind of numbered weird, too, because they're like, anyone that has the same score is numbered in the same league. At the lowest level, so this is technically the 14th, but... It, um, Deja Vu, which was a Nintendo Power cover, I know. 8.2, um, Deja Vu was like Shadowgate. Yeah, just detective style, and I I wasn't a huge fan as a kid, even now, I... Yeah, I, the thing is, I'm skewed, I'm, I'm like, I was always in the Halloween stuff, so Uninvited was like what I was attracted to, the, the spooky house. I didn't want to be like Sherlock Holmes, so so I can't like I can't relate to Deja Vu at all. <laughs> With Mega Man being next eight point two, I think that's kind of fair. I think it's a little it doesn't have as many bosses as Mega Man two. Oh, I don't like Mega Man one at all comparatively. So you played it more than I have. So let's let's hear about it. Go crazy. Well, it's like it's more difficult. It's ramps up at the end or you don't have enough power if you die during Wily's castle you have near impossible to get through it like Mega Man 4 and 5 are extremely solid in comparison and make, even Mega Man 6 is better than Mega Man 1 a lot of people don't like Mega Man 6 because it's too easy with the, uh, the rush jet power pack that you get but like yeah Mega Man 1 no it's not and I'm saying like you're putting this in the Top 17 of all time for Nintendo. Well, how I see that, too, like, nothing before blew them away like Mega Man, either. Well, yeah. 
So Mega Man was the first of the Mega Men, you know, so you're like, oh, fuck. Till Mega Man 2 came out. It just kind of, like, refined what Mega Man 1 was. So I can see why they gave it that rating. Because at the time, there was no competition. Mega Man 2 wasn't out yet. Well, there was nothing in comparison. Yeah, so that actually makes sense. Yeah. Then with with Ninja Gaiden 3, 8.2... They had to have been older gamers, because, like, any of us playing it, it's fucking ridiculously hard. It's a brutal one. I also didn't... It it took a step away from the 1 and 2. Yeah, he... Ryu, Ryu looks a little different. Um, you have a numbered continues, so you have that kind of hang, hanging above your head. Yeah, and it's hard as fuck. It's a beautiful game, though. Graphics are fantastic. It's like Shatterhand. Shit's like crazy. And, um, and of course, Rob, Rob Bryant can beat it with a U-Force. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely doable. Um, it's got that, like, crazy 3D graphic style, though, where everything is just gorgeous. Yeah, I'd almost say, like, Ninja Gaiden 3 and Shatterhand, like, blow my mind the most out of any NES game, graphically, that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, just little 3D gears, and just, like, shit that's, like, off-the-wall crazy, man. Yeah, it's, I still wouldn't put it up in a, in a B range, though. It'd probably be C-minus for me. I wish they had Infinite Continues. If it had Infinite Continues, it would be up higher, because it wouldn't be as hard. Just for the aspect of, like, I can just... I can just sit here and see what... That's what's weird, because I guess, from what I read, the Japanese version has Infinite Continues. It does. As far as it being a game that's harder in America, you also have the fact that Gradius 2 was never released in America, and the rumor behind that was because it was too hard. Well, like, and the same thing why Mario 2 wasn't released in America and changed from a different game. So what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Well, it's it's when it was released because near the end of the NES cycle, you had you had these third party companies is the key were um looking at the rental market and trying to get people to keep renting their games, so they made it hard as shit. Yeah, rental retention. Early on, they were thinking about that, and you got to think about by the time it bled over to Japan too, it took even longer. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's stupid, because why the hell wouldn't you just give us Infinite Continues? It's it's no it's no Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. It's, but if you play the Famicom version, it is. That's weird. Because the, the other game that's notoriously hard in the States, not for the Nintendo, is Streets of Rage 3. Um, Bare Knuckle 3 in Japan is very excellent, but Streets of Rage 3, they made it way too difficult, and it sucks. Yeah, I mean, just for practice purpose, just get the Famicom Ninja Gaiden 3, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. And I think somebody even made a, a patch for Ninja Gaiden 3 and Famicom to have English in it for the U.S. version, so you can literally just play that version. Okay, cool. Yeah. And the next one we got, Vice Project Doom. I personally think it's a hidden gem. It it is like a genre jumper, like a Bayou Billy, uh, which is funny. Another one of those types, uh, Three Stooges. Um, but it's like you have your Spy Hunter level, it's awesome, and then you have your side scroller, like Ninja Gaiden, Kabuki Quantum Fighter, Batman. That's what it reminds me of. It's the same kind of deal. Actually, Ninja Gaiden Two. It reminds me the most of. It's got that night cityscape, dystopian feel. Pretty cool. 
You got a little sword you can swipe around. Um, it's got a storyline, like an arc between the levels. Uh, it's definitely like a hidden gem that is worth a lot now. It, fi- it like took a big jump. You can see on Nintendo Age, people would put like, you know, hidden gem posts. And, uh, that was one of the last hidden gems, in my opinion. Vice Project Doom and, uh, and Kabuki Quantum Fighter were some of the last found, like, hidden gems. Yeah. And, not, and then they finally went up in price. And I, I was waiting for years for it to happen. It was kind of like about time, people. That's kind of like what I was thinking. Where, where is it at in price right now? Let's check it out. I mean, I I never I always think of it as like a, a twenty dollar game. Looks like thirty through forty people are selling it for like thirty eight. Like a good good mint copy is probably forty bucks. Still affordable, which is good. You should get it then. People should get it if they're listening. Yeah. So yeah, Vice Project. I definitely recommend it. But when I was a kid, I didn't. It was my first Nintendo Power issue, but I didn't really like realize how cool it was. Yeah, I never played it either as a kid. You just gotta watch some shit and you'll be like, oh, it's like Shatterhand and Ninja Gaiden 2 mixed with uh, Spy Hunter. Maybe that's an excellent little combination and I only really played it briefly for the, the book review and that's about it. Like, I didn't give it. That could be a future bullshit homework. Oh, I'd do it. Yeah. Should Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So then the next one, Adventures of Lolo Part 3. 3. 8.05. Interesting. It's interesting to throw that in there, like, randomly, because they didn't review Adventures of Lolo 2, but they reviewed Lolo 1 at a 6.6. Weird. See, I think that's bullshit. Well, 3, three was is definitely my favorite of all three of the games. None of them are bad, though. It's just yeah. a puzzle game. They're just puzzle games. And, I mean, 3 does have the most, like, because it has, like, a whole story aspect. You get to choose between the two characters. You get to... It, it's much bigger than the other two. What's the girl's name? Lala or... Lolo and Lala. Lala, okay, cool. And it's called Eggerland in Japan. And in Japan, they even have Eggerland, like a Famicom Disc exclusion, exclusive version of the game, which is another excellent game. And you don't obviously you don't need to know Japanese to enjoy it, so that's a you know oddities ex- exclusive right there. Um, but I I've always enjoyed them. I rented again Lolo three. Never rented one and two, but I rented Lolo three. That was, that was a hard fucking game to find. Um, all like the third games in the series are really obscure. Your you know. All the different types. Your Turtle 3, your Adventure Island 3, your Ninja Gaiden 3. Lolo, though, the only one I... Dobbin. They had the first Lolo. And that's the only, like, Lolo I'd ever experienced in my whole life. And they could get to, like, the fifth, sixth level, and that was it. But Lolo didn't have anything detrimental. It's just puzzling. So if you can't figure it out, that's on you. Well, yeah, and there is, you know, the whole... Once the enemies become activated, you gotta kind of move your way to the exit. But it's fun. I would agree with them putting 3 as the highest rating one, but I wouldn't put Lolo 1 as low as they put it either. I would put it's at least a B and up. If you're a puzzler, it's probably an A. If you're just a random jamoke like us that just isn't puzzler-based, uh, likes our Mario Brothers games, then I'd say about an 8. 8.5 at most, probably for 3, if you say it's better with story arc and get you involved. Mm-hmm. It's always appreciated. It's a, it's a it's a solid B eight. 
8.5. And as a later NES game, it better be. That's true. You know, yeah. So the one, uh oh, we got Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> 8.05. <laughs> what do we give it? Oh, now I gotta look, because I wanna know. <laughs> we don't even need to think on this one, we already got the grade. If I updated it on the thing, because I haven't been updating the bullshit homework page on the site. Did I update it? I think we gave it like a B or a B plus. I did not update it on the site, so I'm a slacker. I love it. Um, I don't know if we gave it... I, I thought we gave it a... I thought we gave it a B, B plus. I think so. It was excellent, though. I mean, it's not... It's not bad at all, so the bullshit scale is a little bit higher than the Nintendo Power scale. Yeah, 8.05 is... I, I wouldn't really... That's not, like, crazy to me. That's, that's about right, though. Somewhere in that area. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Well, I mean, in all reality, looking at this, if you added one point to each game on this scale, that it all the scores make a little bit more sense, except for some of the weird ones, like the your three stages. Like, so then, because <laughs> these are the top 25 of all time, so you would think, all right, so they they gave it an A-. I could see them giving this game an A-. <laughs> like, Mario 3 is a perfect 10, then. Then, but Mega Man 2 is a 10.25. It's an A++. They really loved it. Like, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's where you have to, like, go deep into their psyches. Exactly. And think, what are they thinking at the time? But yeah, like Gremlins 2, you had, you know, almost, it's not isometric, but you did have to get used to the jumping and jumping on the platforms in the shadow when you jump. Plus you had large, colorful boss fights. Bosses were the best part. It was very Master Blaster, Fester's Quest. Yeah, the levels ran together, though. We, we dropped it for that. You said Master Blaster. That's amazing. <laughs> we'll keep it at that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was just looking to see if they actually reviewed that game. They didn't. Blaster Master. Okay, that's another like genre of jumper. I'm surprised <laughs> genre people. And actually, a game that they just released a sequel to on the Switch. No shit. It's basically a reimagining of the original game, just with like a little fresh coat of paint. It looks amazing. The Blaster Master for PlayStation's like bad. Oh, it's garbage. Did you play Blaster Master 2 on the Genesis? That one's bad too, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, they're all bad except the NES and hopefully this one's good. Now, now we say terrible, but you know, all of the all of those games can well not PlayStation, but like the Genesis one could be learned. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just like isn't there something like it's big sprites or it's clunky looking or there's something about it that's like not all the above. Yeah. There's something about it. That's not aesthetically pleasing. Well, the, the actual Sophia, the third, even if it, even if that is her name, uh, it looks, just looks terrible. Not the same magic. No. Now, um, the next game, the Chip and Dale rescue Rangers, I would give that game way higher than an eight. Well, and and then you realize this is the first Disney game we've mentioned in this list. I mean, I talked yeah. about wanting DuckTales to be higher, yes. but, like, DuckTales isn't on this list. What the hell, right? I prefer DuckTales over Rescue Rangers. Any day. That's my game. They probably loved Rescue Rangers because they could play co-op. Yeah, I can see that. They, they gave it a 7.75, so 
DuckTales. It's freaking 10. It's just as good as Mario 3. I- yeah. Rescue Rangers easy, though. As long as you're not rushing through Rescue Rangers, the game is easy as shit. Rescue Rangers is a game, like, you wish you would have bought when you were a kid, you know? Yeah. Like, I wish I owned that as a kid. Remember, my buddy had Zelda and Rescue Rangers. I was like, this kid knows what's going on. <laughs> it was another rental for me, obviously, Rescue Rangers. Um, I used to... The thing was, is that I guess, like, Keenan and I weren't evil against each other. It might have even been Chip playing it with me back in the day, but, like, I don't remember, like, us throwing each other off the freaking platforms a lot. I think we just, like, if it was Keenan and I, like, we were on a wavelength when we would play these kind of games and didn't beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, Eric was cool like that. Yeah. Until we got to Four Swords Adventures on the GameCube, because then I couldn't get his ass to concentrate. He kept on, like, going and slashing grass somewhere and when we're supposed to be bombing the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him. <laughs> <laughs> little Beavis, or butthead. butthead laugh. Uh, butthead, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kanan. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> Always <Woo>. listening. Always. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd probably give it Rescue Rangers uh, 8.59. Um, 9, but it, it's a lot easier than a lot of games. I mean, yeah, we would we would rate Rescue Rangers higher. However, DuckTales is missing, which is, which is fucking brutally bad. Now, the one below that deserves a little higher grade, I think. Crystallis. Oh, yep, next is Crystallis. That's at least a 9, if not a 9.5. As far as the type of game, it's like Daria said, to quote Daria, this is top-tier NES. I agree. Um, I could see yeah. a lot of people um, not liking the ramp-up in difficulty if you don't spend time to grind and make yourself more powerful, because you you do level up, but there's no indicator on how. So I can see a lot of people not liking that aspect. I enjoy a grind to make yourself more powerful. I'll sit there and grind for hours just to so I can destroy the guys in one hit. Yeah, it's like the Final Fantasy thing, too. It's the same. Exactly. Yeah, kind of idea. But, but yeah, like Crystallis, I would say, is definitely in the A range, the 9s, 9.25. 8's getting fair, though. Well, if I do my Nintendo Power score where I add a point to their score, they're at a 9. That's that's good. There it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Rescue Rangers would be at a 9. Just like the next game in the list, Capcom Classic Little Nemo the Dream Master. Oh, God, yeah. There's a lot of people who don't like that game, which is weird, but I loved it as a kid. Weird. Are you serious? That's crazy. Such a good platformer. The one level that it gets hard in the train level. Yeah. Because it's like a force scroll, so you just have to memorize it. And then the last level with the boss, he's he takes a lot of hits. Other than that, um, I don't understand the, the hate. I mean, and the fact that you can be so many different animals. So basically, for anyone who hasn't played it, you feed, you run across these little animals. They can actually hurt you at first. Yeah, you, you feed them some candy. You throw candy, and they eat the, certain enemies, their friends, they will eat the candy, and then after three, they fall asleep, and then you can run into them. Now, when you see the lizard for the first time, though, for example, I think if you jump on the lizard, he'll hurt you. Yeah. 
So you have to throw candy at the lizard and then turn him into the like eating mode. And then once you once he gets hit by the candy, he's like, "Oh, I, I want more candy." And then he opens his mouth and you throw in three pieces, and then you can ride him. And then Nemo can ride that animal. So there's the lizard. You got the mole. He can go underground. Yeah, he turns into the mole. Like like the lizard he rides on turns small and rides on him. That's a good point. The mole he turns into him. The bee turns into a bee. Frog he turns into a frog. What's the water one? I'm trying to think what the little water guy is. It's like a crustacean. You're like a crab or something. Yeah, really weird. Yeah, it's awesome though. So every level is totally different, but... It's, like, amazing platforming. Kind of, like, different, but kind of reminds me of Adventure Island 2 and 3, where you have the dinosaur buddies. Oh, definitely. It's got a lot of the water and the little island-like placement, too. Which, Adventure Island 2 and 3 got a 7.15 and a 6.9, by the way. Okay, interesting. They, d- they didn't like those games, which I loved those games. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, they should be a little higher. Um, and then Little Nemo... About a nine. I mean, it doesn't get much more awesome than that, like platforming, though. You know what I mean? So yeah, as this as this cast has gone on, I would definitely say that it's at a point to all their scores, and then you have to justify the ones that you don't personally like. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> because why would Fester's Quest be a nine point eight? Now I'm still baffled. <laughs> <laughs> but Little Nemo definitely a really fun game. And Capcom, again, just knocking it out of the park. One of the best platformers you can find. And then two more left. Oh, and they're both, like, high nine games. Possibly ten. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful games. River City Ransom. Yes, here we are. We've come to the right place. Freaking, I give that game freaking ten or a nine point seven five. Like it's perfect. Yeah, I can't really fault that game either. You can play it in two different ways too. You can play easy mode and just beat it all the way through. Or you can play hard whatever hard mode and just get all the items. So it's like an RPG like fighter though. That's like very rare. Oh it's definitely the the best of that style. I mean kinda transcended genres. Yeah, I just remember as a kid just like, when I finally got it, and just exploring all the cities, and I noticed that with the Double Dragon games, too, This the graphically, it was amazing. They would, all the backgrounds, it, you just really felt like you were in the city, you know? Yeah. You are in their, like, little world. Everything was so detailed. The whole thing's, like, one big level, basically. Yeah. But it had a part where it was, like, a little factory, mm-hmm. and it was such a throwback to the first Double Dragon, where you fight the Abobo. Oh, yeah. It was, like, amazing. It's Yeah, that game is, like, an extension of the Double Dragon games and vice versa. Technos, it's basically, like, Technos' two love children are Double Dragon and then the Kunio Kun. So this is, like, a Kunio Kun. Yeah, the, the one really cool thing is is that there's a classic feudal Japanese River City Ransom game on the on the Famicom as well as a four-player beat-em-up. Awesome. You know, obviously they have every sports game too, including hockey and basketball and everything. Yep, yep, yep. But like, but like those those two other two games are excellent. And the irony is, is you know, with River City Ransom, is I don't think I've ever beaten River City Ransom. Oh really? It's funny because the end boss is Billy and Jimmy Lee. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and they play the Double Dragon One music. It's hilarious. Do they really? The theme, yeah. 
That's excellent. Yeah, like I don't think I've ever been because I always remember you go to the secret area to get all the really super power up stuff, and then I just never beat it. The weird thing you have to backtrack and then fight. Basically, you have to fight the leader of each gang, and you have to backtrack at one point. So if you keep going forward, you can't progress. You'll get to the high school, and you can't get in because you haven't killed all the bosses. So then you have to go back to there's like a park or something at the very beginning, kill that boss, then go back to the other ones and kill those. So that's how that works. That might be one that we have to play like co-op sometime. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you get in the high school. If we played it, basically you have infinite continue, so we just play it on like the easy mode to beat it through in a night. If you play it in hard mode, you gotta like buy all the items and upgrade yourself, yeah. and it takes like time. The problem with that game was always the password system was like 30 fucking characters. Ugh. And I could never write it down properly. I would always fuck up something. But now you can take pictures with your iPhone, so... I don't know. Maybe it's easier. It's still a pain in the ass. I think there's even upper and lower case. It's <laughs> brutal, dude. <laughs> Freaking craziness, man. Yeah, man. End numbers. But it's awesome. Infinite continues. You can pretty much just play to your heart's content until you beat it. Yeah. If you play it in the hard mode, though, your life just flows away. Well, then you actually have to play it and utilize everything that's in the game. Yeah. Play it how it was supposed to be designed. It'll take time, but it's amazing. So, yeah. I give it 9.5, 10. Yeah, for sure. All right, and our final puppy. One that I have beaten. Nice, <laughs> good old Super C. Yeah, Super Conjure. Yeah, of course they didn't rate the original Contra, but um, Super C, they give it an 8. Again, it'd be in the 9s, <laughs> easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they've always been hard games, but you get extra lives fairly quickly. So what do you think about the... Um, the actual other mode than the normal Contra mode in Super C. It's a hit or miss for a lot of people. Where you're in the third person mode walking around. It changes the momentum of the game a little bit, but again, again, we have to stick to our guns with the double dragon platforming. And so the first Contra NES game had the different level, um, the, the 3D type levels. Yeah. So we have to go with that and say that's just part of Contra. That's a Contra thing. Contra staple is changing up at every every other level or a few times. Every few, yeah, a few times. Yeah, because Contra 3 has it too, where it's like the Bill Lambeer overhead. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the Contra 3 one just because you have to use, don't you have to use the LNRs to turn or it's, it's a... Yes, you do. The Axis. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, I mean... It, it makes sense, but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> it's a mode 7 treat. For sure. That's the biggest thing about it, I guess. I mean, it's just basically that to me is like the precursor of the PlayStation era where everything had to be 3D and whether it was a good game or not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was going in that direction, so it was kind of like if you want to stick with the Joneses and the Smiths, you got to do what they're doing. And the Dobbins. <laughs> yeah, every fucking game <laughs> in the world, at least at the time. God damn. <laughs> it's just one of those things, but Super C itself is an excellent game. Perfect sequel to, to Contra. Like, it's... The, on, the only thing is, is that, you know, it didn't change the formula a ton, but it, it, it 
now in hindsight, it, it definitely shouldn't have. No, yeah, exactly. Then it would have been like Zelda two or something. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. There's there's some people that if that that write games or that are critical of games that if it doesn't do something new, they're gonna bitch. Um, me, I'm the opposite. If it strays too far off the path, I'm not gonna enjoy it as much. Zelda to Zelda two. But this one's like perfect example how to do a sequel. Yeah, it's like a band. I actually prefer my my style of band to stay the same to progress talent wise. But for Metallica to take that lump jump to load, like for example, that like kills it for me. Yeah. So it's kind of like a game series. <laughs> it. Why don't you just make a different game series then? You know, I think that's what it is too. A lot of times they're just like sticking stuff on other stuff. Oh, we gotta release a Contra game. Let's just like, that's the other thing about Contra after Super C and the Genesis one, Contra Hardcore. After that, it was like downhill, man. But you also had Contra Force on the Nintendo, which was. Oh, fuck. Arcound and Famicom. So that was Contra Farce. It wasn't even a Contra game. Yeah. Which, which got a 6.4 from Nintendo Power. So they actually. Properly rated that one. It's like at Last Action Hero. It came out a lot later, and it there's no excuse for being as shitty as it was. Bottom 10, 6.4, like 4.85 is the highest rated bottom 10, so it's not even in the bottom 10. Like, But 6.4 is pretty poor. Yeah, it just reminds me of like a, a newer NES game that didn't hold a candle to like other ones at the time. So according to this guy's ratings, a 6.5 is average. So it's basically, they're saying Contra Force is an average Nintendo game. I, I think it's less than average, in my opinion. <laughs> any, any game with slowdown that wasn't dealt with in like every single level? Yeah. It's like, that's a problem. But yeah, so Super C, um, I remember that was one Cousin Brian would beat. For sure. Cool thing about Super C2 is it was a little darker too. Yeah, yeah. And it was a little more like sinister the aliens type stuff later on and kinda of had that creepy vibe going on. Darker palette colors, darker music, kind of brooding. I definitely dig it. Yeah, man. It's a nine, nine point five. For sure. Easy, easy. Yeah, I mean again there's no issues with the game whatsoever. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that does it for the top 25 of Nintendo Power. That's freaking giant, giant episode. I love it. That's hilarious. Like, hopefully we'll make, like, 45 minutes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you got three hours later. Jeez. God. Fucking brutal. Love it. Cool, man. Well, uh, let's export this fucker, then. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. But we also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later!